Welcome to the Fear Free Childbirth Podcast with author and birth coach Alexia Leachman. Listen to mums share their positive birth stories, birthing experts sharing their wisdom, and Alexia as she shares her tips, tools, and techniques to help you prepare for a fear free birth. If you have birthing fears you want to clear, Alexia has created a free three part video series showing you exactly how you can clear your childbirth fears. Head over to www.fearfreechildbirth.com and sign up today. And now it's time for the show. Hello and welcome to episode 209 of the Fear Free Childbirth Podcast. This is me, your host, Alexia Leachman. Thank you so much for joining me today. Now, on today's show, I'm going to be talking about the difference between meditation, hypnosis and relaxation. Now, I'm sure that you've come across all three of those things. And certainly as a pregnant mama, you will probably have been encouraged to dabble in them, try them, use them, all part of your birth preparation. But the thing is, it's not always clear what the difference is. A lot of people do get confused between hypnosis and meditation. And unless you've been using them for a while and have really got your head around them and how they can benefit you, as a newcomer, it can be a little bit tricky to get your head around them and to know exactly why you should use each of them, what the benefits are, when to use them and what they can help you with. So I thought this would make a really useful episode, just to sort of dig a little bit beneath the surface of meditation, hypnosis and relaxation. And rather than do that on my own, I thought I'd get somebody to help me chew the fat. And so I'm delighted to invite on the podcast today, Susie Ashworth. Now, Susie Ashworth is the co-founder of the Calm Birth School, which is an online hypnobirthing program. She's also an author of the Calm School book as well, which has just come out. And she's also a business coach, birth, pregnancy coach and all that good stuff. So she is very well versed in the world of hypnosis and hypnobirthing. She's also recently started a pretty phenomenal meditation practice that she talks about during our chat as well. And so as somebody also, you know, I've also used hypnosis and also done a lot of meditation myself. I thought it'd be really good for both of us to talk about that in the context of pregnancy and birth. And so that is what we're going to do today. There's all sorts that we talk about, not only those three things, but also where fear comes in and what you can do in terms of using those to help you move past your fears and prepare for a fabulous birth. So sit tight, hold on to your seats and listen up. Here's the time that I spoke to Susie Ashworth, all about the difference between pregnancy, meditation, hypnosis and relaxation. Enjoy. Well, hello, Susie, and welcome to the Fear Free Childbirth podcast. Thank you for joining me. Hello, Alexia. Thank you for having me. Well, it's been a while. I've been wanting to get you on the podcast for ages because you are a uh, birthing superwoman, wonder woman. You've got, you've got your calm birth school. You're a pregnancy coach. You are a business coach. I mean, there's no end to your expertise in the birthing world. So uh, thank you so much for joining me on the show. It's an absolute honour. And today we are going to be talking a little bit more about meditation, hypnosis, relaxing, all that stuff that you and I both know how important that is when it comes to pregnancy. But before we sort of talk about all that, you know, I've, I've given you a bit of an intro, but I would love to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself and to maybe tell us all a little bit about how you came to work in 
the birthing world. Yeah, okay, cool. Thank you. And very nice intro indeed. I'm kind of um, snuggling up to my bump and <laughs> enjoying being called a birthing superwoman because I hope that by the time this one arrives in July, I will definitely be feeling that as well. Um, but yeah, how I got into the whole hypnobirthing thing was really when my eldest son, when I got pregnant with my eldest son five years ago, and although I am very kind of straight down the line, no, I mean, I say I'm not very hippie. I have got a couple <laughs> of woo tendencies, do you know what I mean? But I'm just kind of quite straight down the line and very straight talking. And and I'm also a massive control freak. And when I got pregnant, I immediately wanted it all to be about, all, all to be about me. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all to be about me and I was really worried about people interfering and there being lots of interventions and the reading and the research that I'd done suggested to me that if I was able to stay at home I would be much more likely to have an intervention free birth and in order for me to stay at home then I knew from the work that I'd already done with hypnotherapy that hypnobirthing would be really, really helpful in helping me manage the sensations and stay calm and relaxed. So I worked with my body as opposed to getting really, really shit scared and um, tensing up and slowing the process down and potentially being taken to hospital because of that. So in preparing for your home, how much about birth did you know back then? Was it all, you knew nothing? I knew nothing. I was not a kiddie person. Until I met my husband, I hadn't even thought about having children. I knew, you know, I wasn't dying to become a mother or anything like that. I was just, I was very career-minded, to be honest. Mm. And none of my friends, I was the first out of all of my friends to have children. My sister had had, um, an, had got a daughter at that point and I enjoyed being an auntie but I wasn't really I wasn't overcome with I need to be a mother now it mm. just yeah I knew nothing when I got pregnant so you mentioned that you're a control freak which in my opinion doesn't necessarily bode well with birthing does it so I'm wanting to control so how did you kind of get over all that and, and, and end up preparing for your first birth I think probably one of the things that I definitely impart to my students at the Calm Birth School and that has come through all of my learning when it comes to birth is understanding what you can control and really letting go of what you can't. Mm. And that is one of my constant mantras for life, actually. And really keeping that in my mind reduces so much stress. Because I think that we spend so much time complaining and worrying and stressing about things that are completely outside of our realm of control. But when it comes to birth, knowing your body, understanding your environment, knowing how you can talk with your care providers, all of those things are within our control. Mm. We cannot do anything about the way that our baby decides to come out, but we can stack the odds in our favour by learning how to work with our bodies mm. and staying calm and staying relaxed and building a really solid foundation for a positive birth experience. Mm. 
So you mentioned staying relaxed. So that's what I hope that today's chat is going to really help mamas do, because I think that's the difficult one for a lot. And certainly I get so many emails from mums listening to the podcast who say, how can I just stay in that calm, stress-free place during my pregnancy? And for me, I think, you know, learning some of these relaxation techniques, adopting things like meditation into your practice can really help you to get into that zone, but more importantly, practice using them sufficiently so you can really deploy them at will during birth. Yeah. And that can really help you. So we're going to, now there's a really great blog that you wrote that I think started the conversation between us that you put on Huffington Post, because Susie does write a lot for the Huffington Post, where you talk about the difference between uh, meditation, relaxation techniques, self-hypnosis that are used a lot by hypnobirthing practitioners and, and the work that they do. And so, and I think it'd be really useful for us to maybe just talk a little bit about those and how they're similar, but more importantly, how they're different and how you might use them at different points during your pregnancy so that mamas can really understand that a little bit better and decide how they can use this for themselves during that pregnancy. Yeah. Cool, let's do it. Cool, let's do it. So let's start with meditation first. What you just started meditating quite, you've upped your meditation practice quite recently, haven't you? Yeah. And I remember you see, sort of sharing about that on on Facebook or somewhere. Yeah. Would you mind just telling us a little bit about how you kind of increased your practice and how you found that? So I've always dabbled in it a little bit. And all of the books that I'd read about it were always like, start small, start with five minutes and just try and empty your mind and I never really got past the five minute mark because you know I'd be trying to empty my mind and it'll you know I'd be thinking about the washing or thinking about what work I needed to do or thinking about this or thinking about that and I would get really frustrated that I was doing it incorrectly but because of the work that we do with hypnobirthing and also because I've also been a bit of a dabbler when it comes to yoga Mm. you tend to end your practice with a little bit of meditation it's something that kept on coming back into my life and I don't know when things present themselves to me you know two or three times I'm like mm, okay maybe I need to readdress this and look at it in a different way and I stumbled across a guy called Kyle Cease who it's probably coming to the end of it now, but was doing an experiment called the 100-day meditation experiment where he was meditating for two hours a day. And I think I found the experiment on about day 15, day you know, 15 to 20, and I watched all of the videos because he was recording himself after each session. And the way he talked about his connection with himself and the insights and revelations that were coming up for him in meditation, I just thought, I need to try this again. I need mm. to look at this a little bit differently. I need to try it again. And I have to say as well, from the work side of things, so many of the great mentors that I look up to and read their life stories and read their business stories, they all talk about incorporating meditation into their daily life. So I was like, I need, I, yeah, I really need to address this. So, yeah, that's how I got back into it. I thought I'll go all in and I'm not going to fart around with five minutes. I'm going to do an hour. I'm going to do an hour a day mm. and see how I get on with it. And literally after three or four days practice, 
I just felt so different. Wow. I felt it just impacted me. It was really nice to give myself the permission to spend that time with myself. Mm. And what was nice about the technique that I was using is that it wasn't about emptying your mind. Mm. And I think that that is a really great place for people to start if they're looking at going on their own meditation journey because it takes out that frustration of I'm doing this wrong why can't I just keep my brain empty and so what he suggests what Kyle C suggests is that you just allow the thoughts to come up and if you want to and you kind of observe them Mm. so you're kind of just you a thought might come up about the washing and it's like okay the, the washing has just come up is that do I need to go any deeper with that yes if you do then you might want to explore it and then if not you just kind of let it go mm. and you do that with every single thought that comes up and you notice how much repetitive repetitive how repetitive your thought process is till in the end it just gets a little bit boring you know that it's not necessary for you to go there and that knowing that it's not necessary becomes more frequent and the gaps in between your thoughts also become longer and it's the gaps that you get that become really refreshing I think. Mm. So how you say it was after four days so just tell us a little bit more about your practice when you say the technique can you tell us a little bit more about you know what the technique is like what does he suggest as you know you're not concentrating on clearing the mind but what are you doing instead so what I would do is I would get up very early I'd go into a room away from my husband so I wasn't distracted by his snoring and I would sit on the bed so he recommends that you don't do it laying down but you don't need to be kind of doing the lotus position you can just be sat on a chair but I would sit on the bed sat up and I would start by just inhaling more deeply and slowing immediately when you take deeper breaths you slow your thoughts down and yeah then I would just breathe in and breathe out and it would almost be like I would start off by watching the breath but inevitably when you start off just watching the breath and the thoughts come in Mm. and I suppose the biggest difference between his technique and other techniques is that In the past, immediately when you would become distracted, you would get told to go straight back to the breath. Mm. Whereas with this, you allow yourself the you know you allow yourself the permission to become distracted. Because what's quite interesting is still when you regulate your breath and keep it long and slow and deep, whilst all of the mundane stuff may come up and go, may come up and go, you kind of also get little flashes of insight and 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 brilliance. Mm-hmm. I remember kind of quite early on with me, one of the things that came up was um, just about forgiveness and knowing it'd be much easier to forgive other people if I was forgiving myself and it was in the space of being quiet and just slowing things down that that thought um, came into my mind, which mm. was 
which felt really afterwards, it felt very a, a very profound thing for me to have been thinking at half past five in the morning. Mm, mm. Well, at half past five, that's pretty amazing, getting up at that hour. <laughs> There's no way you'd catch me doing that. I'd have to find some other slot in the day. Um, so after four days, you noticed these kind of, this kind of impact. How long did you keep the practice up then? So I'm still meditating. I've moved it from an hour to now 20 to 25 minutes a day. And I still do that every single morning. Mm. So how long has that been going on? Probably three months now. Wow. So in terms of, you know, you, the impact that you've noticed, you said you're sort of having that more, noticing some profound thoughts coming through. How else are you noticing the difference in your day-to-day life? Or I guess maybe in your head, maybe more than in external ways. I don't know. What what kind of differences are you noticing? I'm just able to let things go so much more quickly. Being a control freak, one of the things that has been the bane of my life is that when something kind of gets on your wick, or somebody says something that gets to you, it's really, really difficult to kind of not be replaying that argument over over and over in your head. And I think that the meditation, because I'm used to now letting things go and being quite non-judgmental of mm. the thought, you know, not making it wrong, but really just acknowledging it. Oh, okay, I'm thinking like this again. Yeah. And then letting it go has meant that it just brings me a lot more peace. Mm. So you move into a place of yeah acceptance. Yeah. And yeah, and just and yeah, that non. You know, I'm glad you mentioned non-judgmental because I think that's that's the word that was coming to me as you as I was listening to you speaking about. You know, it's, I've heard meditation described. You know, when those thoughts come in, it's like noticing the clouds moving across the sky and just being okay with a cloud being in the sky. But it doesn't mean yeah. you've got to jump on the cloud and go off where it's going. Yeah. You can just let it sail across the sky and yeah another one might come along and, and, and that's okay it's not kind of hooking yourself onto it and seeing where that train of thought goes because often you don't need to go there because you'll be in a right old tis right as many people are so um in terms of you know just trying to think about maybe how meditation as you've just described it now kind of differs to the self-hypnosis that you might talk about as part of maybe your work with calm birth school or, or your other you know what you know to be self-hypnosis how would you describe that difference to somebody that's not really aware of the differences meditation is an active process if you fall asleep when you're meditating you're no longer meditating you are asleep you have to there is an, there is such an element of discipline there particularly when you are doing it for an hour because you you will get to 15 minutes when you first start and think oh how much longer have I got you do get to half an hour and think is the alarm going to go off and it's a real discipline to give yourself permission to just stay in that space and allow all of those controlling thoughts to come up and then pass Whereas self-hypnosis is much more passive. So for people who are unfamiliar with hypnosis, the way that I describe it is, it's whenever you have a narrowed focus of attention. So it's a natural state of consciousness that we all drift in and out of at least 10 to 12 times every day. And whenever you become really engrossed in something and you forget to really measure the passage of time. So some people get it when they're running. Some people get it when they are drawing or painting. Other people get it when they're reading a great book. And you just become so engrossed that you're less aware of what's going on in your surroundings. You are in a natural state of hypnosis. 
So the self-hypnosis that we use kind of when preparing for birth, we utilise that state of being less aware of what is going on around you because when you are in that mental state, you become more open to suggestion Mm. and it's much easier to change um, um to change old patterns of belief old negative um, behaviors because you are much more open to a positive way of thinking or approaching things so for those people that might be using self-hypnosis to prepare for birth that's not really you don't see that as being the same as meditation I used to until I had a better understanding of meditation, but no, it's, it's not the same. And so how would you use those differently then? Where would you sort of turn to meditation and where would you turn to self-hypnosis? What kind of situations? So I think that some people use mantras when meditating. Mm. And I think that you can use mantras or you can use any kind of repetitive type of thinking but really when connecting with your baby, so I talk about prenatal bonding and taking the time out to consciously connect with the life that is growing within you. And when you're meditating, it can be a really, you can use that time to actively be engaging with your baby. Mm. And, you know, you may be visualising your birth, you may be just talking or even listening to how your baby might be communicating with you Mm. so that's how I would use meditation Um, with self-hypnosis you you can put on one of your self-hypnosis mp3s and fall asleep to it because your subconscious mind will still be taking on all of the information that is being said to you for at least three quarters of an hour after you fall asleep And it will still be helping to retrain the way that you think about birth or are preparing for your positive birth experience. Mm. So the self-hypnosis is more about the kind of maybe if you if you are dealing with maybe some fears or trying to reframe birth in a positive way to help you to prepare, then self-hypnosis is a great thing for you to do in that way. Whereas the meditation is, is, is you're saying is helps you better to connect to yourself, to connect to baby, to help you to maybe let go of maybe fears or other kinds of thoughts. And so that's where meditation kind of steps in. Yeah, I think that, you know, people talk about mindfulness meditation and certainly people use that to eradicate fears and anxiety. Mm. But from my understanding, the process is a lot slower, I think, with mindfulness meditation than it can be with self-hypnosis when it comes to reducing that anxiety. And also, I think with mindfulness meditation, that's when I say active, it's almost like you're you're practicing that mainly when you are, you know, you're up and around and you're out and about being mindful about where you are and where your presence is and that's quite different from you know, what I'm talking about taking 25 minutes or yeah. out of your day 
Yeah, I know when I first started meditating, which is quite a long time ago now, and I, I went to a, a Buddhist meditation centre, and so we did mindfulness of breathing. And I remember I struggled so much. You know, we'd concentrate on the breath, and then if you, you count to ten, and then if you distracted yourself before counting ten, you'd have to go back to naught again and start again. And I would struggle so much. I'd never get past three or four, and I'd get so frustrated. But, you know, it, it, it was getting... I was making progress and then I kind of parked meditation my life took a different turn and I was doing other stuff but then I started using other techniques to help me get rid of my fears and, and had a quite an intense practice of using um, what I call is my head trash clearance method and then I went back to meditation having not really kind of thought much about it thought oh this is going to be hard again but I really want to do it I like you I wanted to nail it you know I was like this is one thing that's eluded me and I was amazed that when I, I went to the meditation class and I was able to kind of really stay really present and focused on my breath without those thoughts coming in much, you know, I was counting to 20 this time. And I thought, wow. And I realized that actually by taking my practice of anxiety and getting rid of fears and addressing yeah. some of those negative thoughts outside of meditation, I was able to move that. I was getting better results by doing something else. But then in turn, that helped me to get more out of my meditation. So yeah. when I went back to meditation... I was able to really connect, you just get back, get in that meditation zone really quickly and enjoy it, not enjoy it, because that's the wrong word, just be completely present in that moment rather than that wrestle with thoughts and, and that kind of resting that I was doing. Now I could kind of just be and time would just fly. I didn't know yeah. how long I'd been there. You know, suddenly the, the bell would go off. Like, oh, wow, that, yeah. I was really enjoying that in a kind of, absence of time kind of experience and and so yeah like you said you know you know maybe to, if you've got anxieties to take look elsewhere to solve those maybe not meditation use meditation for that connection for the inspiration for the yeah. the flashes the just being and having permission to allow some of those thoughts to rise up that might be really insightful for you on a personal level you know the enrichment of it I guess Exactly. Mm. I think that you've kind of nailed it there. There's no one size fits all. Mm. So we're kind of a bit like dogs with bones and have to keep going back to it. But there are lots of different techniques. I mean, there's, you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Yeah, totally. You have to find what feels comfortable for you. Mm. Yeah, no, completely. And, and whatever, I mean, some people love it they really get on well with meditation and it really turns around I mean you just see some like something like Russell Brand for example he was clearly wrestling with major issues and still is on a on a big level but he's really worked for him and it's helped him to become you know a, a spokesperson for a lot of good now when you think about the kind of person that he was and that's really really worked for him and so you know yeah it's about I think it's being a, a you know knowing about the various ways out there that you can try and just trying them all and seeing what kind of works for you so um yeah so what about relaxation then like you know when women want to kind of get into a, a relaxation zone or really try and help them to relax their body relax their mind help their baby to relax you know really get into a good calm place when they're pregnant how what kind of techniques are you would you sort of think about when you think about relaxation breathing when it, you just you know even as you just started saying it I immediately started doing my um my calm birth school breathing which is breathe in for four and out for seven 
Mm. It's a slight variation on 7-Eleven breathing, which some of your listeners may already be familiar with. Whenever your exhalation is twice as long as your, or almost twice as long as your inhalation, you trigger the body's natural calming reflex. And I explained it on the course. So the reason why people love smoking is because of that action. It's that sharp inhalation when they take the, you know, they drag on the fag. And it's that long breathing out. So they think it's a cigarette that's relaxing them. But actually, yeah. it's that breathing motion. And so whenever you are stressed, whenever your children are winding you up or you are listening to somebody at work that is just totally off the mark, bring your attention to the breath and breathe in for four and out for seven or in for three and out for six, whatever works for you. Mm. And you will immediately, immediately start to feel the relaxation in your body, Mm. which in turn then helps you to feel more emotionally relaxed in your mind. Mm. And I guess I mean, that's such a simple one and so obvious. When you when you understand what's going on with the in-breath and the out-breath and how one triggers a stress response and the other triggers a relaxation response or the parasympathetic versus sympathetic system, once you kind of get that, it just you think, duh, why didn't you know? Obviously, um, but it's so simple. And, and yeah, but, and I guess maybe why people do get confused between these these different ways that we can use to try and help us, you know, become, I don't know, more emotionally resilient or become calmer, become stress-free. All of the three things we've talked about all help you do that, but in slightly different ways, don't they? But they all kind of borrow from each other in many ways. You know, the meditation about focusing on your breath, you know, when, so so you can understand why people are getting confused and yeah and how they can start using all this. But I think there's, there is quite a clear distinction between the three, as we've been talking about them today, wouldn't you say? Yeah, 100%. I think that meditation is very active. Self-hypnosis is passive. And relaxation is really about kind of letting the tension in your body and in your mind dissipate. Mm. Um, um, and you can do that very, very quickly, a little bit of practice. And what you might, I mean, you can watch TV or watch films or watch, you know, whatever, whatever you don't want, whatever you don't want to do, though, is watch One Born Every Minute, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. that would definitely won't help you to relax. For sure. <laughs> so is there anything else that, you know, given uh, your experience of working with so many pregnant mamas uh, preparing for birth and now you're going through it again on a personal level, anything else that you might, you think would be worth sharing with women going through pregnancy to help them to you know, shed the fear or relax more easily, you know, any of those kind of things that you, from your years of experience. And... <laughs> years of past experience. I just think it's all about research, mm-hmm. forming yourself and really knowing that when you are scared about birth, there are very few of us that have seen negative birth experiences in real life most of that fear is coming from other people's stories and other depictions of birth that are that don't have to be your reality and when you start doing your research and there are tons of different programs available out there you know find one that speaks your language and when you do that 
you will appreciate that whilst you cannot control the outcome of your birth, you can stack the odds in your favour and it really does start with releasing your fear Mm. and learning how to stay calm and relaxed. And when you are able to do that in your real life, during stressful situations and you're being knocked around on the tube or you know, when a partner has said something that's frustrating you, when you are able to really turn your attention inwards and just bring everything down a notch, learn what you need to respond to and really what you need to let go, you will find that absolutely invaluable when you're birthing. I think the birthing moment is like a microscope on life, isn't it? It's how you deal with life. The way that you deal with life is kind of really concentrated in massive on a level in birth it really brings everything to the fore and if you've got anything that you're wrestling with in your life generally it's going to be highlighted in that birthing moment so for me when I you know I would urge pregnant women to really use their pregnancy journey as an opportunity to do this kind of inner work to face some of this stuff because it might just show its face during birth and you'd rather it's much easier to deal with this when you're pregnant in a with a space to do that rather than in the intensity of that birthing moment you know Don't bury your fears. No. That's another big one. People often think that when it comes to um, hypnobirthing um, preparation or any kind of positive birth preparation, that you're not allowed to talk about negative things. Mm. And I think just like you've just said, that when people bury them and don't address those fears, you can guarantee the one time you need those fears to come up will be when your waters break. Um, so yeah address them during pregnancy Mm. and you know there's loads of research and there's lots of support and loads of people that can help you Mm. create a really fantastic foundation for a positive experience regardless of how your baby enters into the world Mm -hmm. I'm doing some research at the moment into tocophobia which is the (laughs) extreme fear of pregnancy in childbirth and um, and it's very very interesting how women that suffer from this really kind of it's a really really big deal for them and a lot of people don't really appreciate how big it is for them mm. i'm just curious if you whether or not you've had many people who are um tocophobic that have been through hypnobirthing or through the calm birth school that maybe you could uh tell us a bit about do you know what not through the calm birth school the only woman who i've met who has been truly tocophobic um was a midwife really how strange is that well, it's, it's strange. So somebody else I've interviewed on the show and she was telling me that a lot of people that get drawn to working with births so midwives and gynecologists, whatever it is that work, you know, in that zone, yeah. tend to have people that have got a thing about births, so whether they've had their own traumatic birth as a baby, whether they've got unresolved birthing fears of their own, they get drawn to it in a, as a way of trying to resolve it on some way. Yeah. So it doesn't surprise me to hear you say that, actually. Mm-hmm. And I think potentially, you know, the reason that many women are subjected to some many fear-based messages within the medical system is because potentially there are a lot of people with pregnancy and childbirth fears that are working in that and just projecting their own fears onto them yeah which could be you know it could explain a lot couldn't it but that's a whole other conversation for another (laughs) time it's an interesting one i've heard a lot of people saying how the you know the the uh yeah your your own way that you've come into the world your own birthing experience really does sort of uh set set you up on an emotional level with lots of things in your life and it's how interesting how a lot of people with those kind of 
early birth experience are drawn to working in that field. So it's sort of nothing nothing new really but maybe maybe no one's mentioned it on a podcast before who knows <laughs> well Susie it's been absolutely fabulous having you on the Fear Free Childbirth podcast now you have got a book out now haven't you I have indeed tell us about the book the Calm Birth School book so yeah. I share all of the secrets um, of how you can create a calm and positive birth experience using the Calm Birth School techniques. And you can get it on thecalmbirthschool.com or go and check it out on Amazon. It is available for everyone and it would be amazing for as many women as possible to know that it's there as a great resource for them. Brilliant. Thank you very much. And where else can people find out more about you online, Susie? Come and say hello on Facebook. Um, yeah, just look for the Calm Birth School on Facebook or on Instagram if you are pregnant and are looking for kind of daily inspirational images of birth and positive affirmations. And I am there delivering in spades. Oh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you for joining me today and good luck also for your pregnancy and the arrival of your little one. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks for tuning in. You've just been listening to author and birth coach Alexia Leachman from the Fear Free Childbirth Podcast. If you enjoyed listening and would like to show your support for Alexia and the podcast, you can become a friend of the show and receive even more exclusive content. Visit www.fearfreechildbirth.com and become a friend today. Until next time.